So I've developed just um, three key words for, for my clients to follow. And the idea is that it enables them to build every meal to ensure it's balanced with a bias towards supporting the immune system. So they, when they come to prepare food, they just have to think support, protect, energise. As we were saying last time, I think it's come back to the point where we really need to focus on reminding our clients how they can get the key immune-supporting nutrients through food and also reminding them of the activities that deplete those nutrients. So perhaps that's the first step if we can't get supplements is to think about our lifestyle habits that are actually depleting those nutrients. So I think we're going to have to move back to uh, where our comfort zone, which is around food which is great it's, it, it feels good but it's it's interesting isn't it hello and welcome to the natural healthcare network podcast my name is deb mcleod and i really appreciate your sitting in and listening in today's recording is a continuation from last week it's with anita beardsley of love nutrition and rain roberts with 360 fit food we're going to be talking further about the coronavirus or covid19 they're going to be sharing some solid sound advice about foods foods that you can recommend to your clients and also some tips and information that they've pulled together and prepared that's helpful as a practitioner, but also is really valuable information to share with your clients at what is an extraordinary time in our lives. So I hope you sit back and enjoy this session as much as I did. Thank you so much, ladies, for joining me today. It's really great to have you here. Oh, thanks. It's good to be back. It's really lovely to be back. Hello. Hello. So what we're going to do today is leading on from our discussion this past week about the coronavirus. We're going to talk about what's in our store cupboard and why and how to make healthy meals. And then we're going to talk about food ideas to support practitioners. So who would like to kick this off? I don't mind starting. I was thinking about this earlier. And I was thinking it's a bit like desert island discs for COVID-19. What would be your favourite items to have in your store cupboard? And that did make me smile for a while. And I do think it's important <laughs> that we do smile in the face of this virus and all that it's um, presenting for us. So uh, that, that was my initial thought. Great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's interesting as well, isn't it? Because when I thought about this uh, podcast, I thought about what's in my store cupboard and my freezer, which uh, we will be pooling on and using in the event that we're locked down and we can't leave the house. And I would imagine that lots of people will find that they've got these items hidden in the back of their cupboard or they can get them easily in corner shops or whatever access they have at the moment. So my absolute staple that I can't live without and, and I I'm I will be the one that will worry me the most will be lemons <laughs> uh, yes and I've yeah. been a <laughs> I use them obviously for their vitamin c content which is going to be really key uh, for this coronavirus but also they just really bring a recipe to life so if you've got not many ingredients left they really just give a little bit of a zing and a zest to things so that's um a really key thing for me and and that you know perhaps people if they aren't able to get fresh lemons at any point, they can just use the lemon jiff. I wouldn't normally use those, but I guess that's, you know, it's we're adapting at the moment and we're having to adapt. Yeah. Uh, there's also loads of tins of pulses uh, and lentils, uh, red lentils particularly in my cupboard, dry red lentils, because they're really quick and easy. You don't have to soak them and they can be added to soups and stews. So they're a staple for me. And olive oil, uh, really good olive oil, or whatever olive oil you can get at this stage, I suppose. And lots of onions and garlic and fresh ginger. And of course, the fresh 
stuff goes without saying, but if we're thinking about store cupboards, an array of flowers, so lots of chickpea flour I have in my cupboard, uh, or buckwheat, and even just the wholemeal, just normal flours, they're really quick and easy to kind of throw together chapatis or little pancakes to go with soups. Yeah, so those are some of my faves that are in my cupboard at the moment. Mm. Rain, what about you? What are what do you keep stocked in your store cupboard? So I think I was taking a slightly different angle on this, thinking about all those families out there who will probably have their children home from Friday due to school closures, and they'll then have be having to cook for them, you know, potentially three times a day, and how to relieve the boredom uh, and potential whining associated with that. So, um, <laughs> and I, I will be one of those parents. So I checked out my <laughs> store cupboard this morning, and I've got in there um, lots of different of pasta because pasta is pasta but shape is different so perhaps they won't notice that I'm giving them wholemeal pasta quite a lot but also some you know spinach based pasta and red lentil based pasta um they I'm also lucky enough in that they'll eat brown rice and wholemeal noodles quite happily so that's good because you know the one pot biryani is covered and also um every week we have what we call bottom of the fridge noodles <laughs> So all those bits of things in the vegetable drawer that you don't really know what to do with and don't look particularly nice, as long as you chop them up small, they actually could go into a really good stir fry with some wholemeal noodles. Um, I have got lots of cans and bags of dried beans and chickpeas and lentils, um, which are brilliant for adding to soups and casseroles and provide you know a, a real power punch in terms of vitamins and minerals and fibre and a good source of complex carbs. Oats as well. I've been playing around with oats. I've got more of those in, not just for breakfast porridge, but actually to make a sort of Scottish risotto. If we um, don't have any risotto rice, you just add a, a spoonful of horseradish and top it with some wilted spinach and some smoked mackerel. And that's a really good meal. That's a great idea. Sounds lovely. Um, and also um, reduced sugar baked beans. And they are an absolute lifesaver because should it get to the point where people are running out of their tin lentils or their minced meat that they've got in their freezer and need to really sort of pimp up a spaghetti bolognese sauce or, um, uh, you know, cottage or shepherd's pie, by adding the beans, that really packs it out with extra protein. So making sure I've got those in as well as the usual things like, you know, nut milk, UHT milk and dried herbs and spices. Yeah, that's actually interesting. Just thinking about the beans thing, because quite often when I'm making a dish, I will use less of the meat and put in the beans so we can make the bits of uh, meat that we have got in our fridges or our freezers last that little bit longer whilst we're, yeah. we're, we're coming through this period. So that's a really good tip, actually, Rain, and making sure because that can actually, and, and as you say, it's still packing a wonderful protein punch. So it's, it's just about being a little bit more frugal, isn't it, with the more expensive elements as well, because people are struggling financially now as well to make that that spaghetti bolognese for the whole family. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And we're going to have to go back to the good old-fashioned stews and casseroles that you can just add some pieces to. Yeah. yeah. Adding the meat just makes it more of a treat rather than the main, the, the focal point mm. of the meal, which is nice. 
going on the terms of boredom, sometimes what I do in this house is if I've made um, a soup one day, the next day I will represent that soup, but they won't know it's the same soup because I'll have added some pasta, some rice, some beans, some legumes, something, and it will be presented in a slightly different way. But actually, that's just utilizing the same the same base, and it's really full of lots of nutrition. And as you said, it's really important about that boredom because kids can just refuse to eat the same thing day after day. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I also find that sweet potatoes and potatoes are a really good filler. Yum, yeah. Yeah, and I think this is, a, you know, potentially a good opportunity for people to expand their, you know, their their sort of repertoire of, of dishes. You know, I think that most people rely on about seven dishes that they produce week in, week out. So hopefully this will enable people to, you know, have the time to, to think about cooking a little differently. Yeah, and that's really interesting. And I think that's one of the key ways where we come in as practitioners. I think it's a real good opportunity for us to be really present in our online presence while we're a little bit quieter in our in our clinical practice as well uh, by really um, posting lots of recipes. And they don't have to be really elaborate recipes, just taking photos of the things we're cooking and posting them. Uh, because I think this lockdown period could be quite lonely for a lot of people. And our presence online will just bring some comfort and calm and some inspiration, hopefully, that they can just pick up a few simple ingredients out their cupboard and put together something that's going to actually really benefit their immune system and be tasty and nutritious and feel good for them. So I think that's that's a real positive that we can take from this as practitioners. Yeah, that's that's a great idea. And I've decided actually I'm going to do some videos um, some short videos to help people make the most of the the tins they have at the back of their cupboards that may have been there for for several years um i think people can be a bit snobby about tin food to be perfectly honest it's you know it's a really good opportunity to up their fruit and veg intake to five plus a day you know it's really you can just open them and they're already prepared for you and often they're cheaper than buying out of season fresh so Loads of good reasons to to have some, you know, to use the tinned foods in, in the cupboard. Um, just, you know, I've always been said said to my clients, just look out for the sugar and salt content. That's actually true as well. So just having some of the really cheap tins of um, oily fish. So we know that they're really rich in omega-3. So that's going to be really key at the moment for clients. And they're, they're pretty cheap and they kind of, you can get them most places. Uh, so they're going to be, they're in my cupboard now and they can be kind of transformed into a really interesting meal into fish cakes for fussy kids with some mashed potato perhaps or um, just mashed up with some you know whatever salad bits you've got to hand uh, and some uh, nice bread yes it's just yeah you're right tins are a good thing right now for us to have in the cupboard and they are and as I say I don't you know people shouldn't be too snobby about them you know a really small portion of tin peas just about half a cup will give people uh, about a third of their RNI for vitamin A every day, which we know is so important to the immune system and rebuilding, uh, you know, rebuilding the body. So if we talk about building, rebuilding your body, making sure that you're providing sufficient nutrients in all of those meals, Rain, you were wanting to talk about how you can ensure every meal is balanced with a bias towards supporting the immune system. What are some nice, easy things that you've got in your cupboard? Have you been, You've been thinking about that more and more lately with all the stuff that's going on with the coronavirus. But as we said in our last podcast, it's not just about that, you know, the virus that's going on now. It's how do we do this over the longer term so we can maintain our sense of health and well-being? What are you doing? 
Yeah, it is. So I've developed just um, three key words for, for my clients to follow. And the idea is that it enables them to build every meal to ensure it's balanced with a bias towards supporting the immune system. So they, when they come to prepare food, they just have to think support, protect, energize. That's all they need to remember. And it, it's those are the trigger words. So support, that would be their protein sources. So that could be anything from meat, fish and poultry to dairy, tofu, eggs, beans, chickpeas, lentils, nuts and seeds. So it's, a, it's a sort of list of about 12 key foods that they know would be in their in their support domain, if you like. Cool. And we go cool. to protect um, and that would be their vegetables, their fruit, their herbs and their spices. And what we're really looking for here is a really good level of antioxidants to help support the body um, as it comes under attack, but also to, to help prevent. And so what I've done is I looked at the ORAC scale, which um, identifies the foods that are really high in antioxidants. Wants to focus on, for my clients, I'll be suggesting the green leafy veg. Also, things like prunes and raisins are ridiculously high in antioxidants, um, as well as all the berries. And then frozen mixed veg, tin tomatoes and tomato paste, and then basically any dried herbs or the, the squeezy tubes you can get in supermarkets for things like garlic, ginger, chili, lemongrass. So they would all, because they're so high in antioxidants, all of those go in. And then lastly, energize. So that's where I would ask them then to focus on slow release carbohydrates. So things to keep energy levels up so that people don't snack mindlessly. And for that, you know, we're looking at beans, chickpeas, lentils, pasta, bread, and look, looking for the whole food version. So whole wheat bread, pasta and noodles. And, you know, that will allow them to, to have their energy. And there's nothing that I um, haven't mentioned that you can't either pick up from the freezer aisles or canned or in bags of, in, in terms of the dried version, other than, as I say, the, those squeezy, um, squeezy uh, herbs like garlic. And ginger and chili that you can pick up in the fresh section so it's just quite simply they can think about their meal and think have I got my support foods my protect foods and my energized foods those are great tips they're also good for people who are rushing around once we get through this phase in our lives and we're not all confined to home once we get out and we're busy again these are great tips rain I'm sorry Nita um, I interrupted you what, what were no you no that's say? fine do you have any sort of tips and recipes to add on to that Anita yeah I completely agree with everything that rain suggests and I think that's a really simple and lovely way of getting it into people's minds to help them because I think as we said last time it's potentially people feel a little bit uh, like it's too complicated but actually feeding yourself healthily doesn't have to be complicated you're absolutely right if we break it down to the simple elements support protect energize which I really like then people can really see and engage with that so that's great so for me definitely going back to real basics so yesterday we're lucky enough to live out out of the city slightly so we went foraging yesterday for wild garlic and we made some lovely homemade pesto last night so I think it's time to kind of gather what we can there's still some herbs in the garden there's still some rosemary in mine and if you haven't got it in yours you know talking to your neighbours there's, there's this lovely support network emerging in communities where people are actually working together and it's really lovely to see and I think that's a really good opportunity and there was a couple of things that I thought could come out of that there was one that if you end up in a situation where you haven't got much left in the end of your fridge and you can't get to the shop because we've been told we can't go out the house. Some collaboration with neighbours, with 
ingredients. So pool the ingredients you have got and cook one. One of you cook one big pot of soup or or stew and divide off portions. Uh, it might help. Um, kind of with the ingredients that we have to hand and it also it can bring a sense of community and love which I think we're going to really re- need in the next in the coming months so I thought that was one really nice idea and then particularly for me in my kitchen definitely I'm going to be going back to keeping a stock pot on the stove so the great thing about keeping a stock pot on the stove is that you put a lot of stuff in there that would actually just have been composted so you're kind of you can put your onion peelings in there some some bay leaves some parsley stems if you've got them some peppercorns some ends of celery if you have them and some onion and the water and you just bubble this away but you can pretty much add quite a few things into there to give it flavor and that can then be a really good base for lots of soups we do a lot in our in our house for easy meals or when we're feeling under the weather of kind of noodly broths like the Vietnamese pho or pho however you pronounce it uh, and they're great because you can put some yeah. ginger in. And I'm actually a bit of a fan of the squeezy tubes that Rain talks about for those kind of situations uh, where you have, can't get fresh. So you can still have the, the garlic, the ginger, and all of those key immune-boosting spices and anti-inflammatory spices in there. Some lime juice if you've got it. And again, some wholemeal noodles to give you that slow-release carbs. And they are really wonderful food to and add a little bit of chicken if you've got it or whatever you've got. And they're they are great, actually, for when you don't feel like eating, if anyone contracts this virus and they just need to get some lovely food into them. Those kind of broths are really, really helpful and really easy. And I find that my daughter will eat them as well because you kind of fill the bowl with lots of interesting things and, and they kind of work their way through them. So that's a, that's one for me. And I know that um, Riverford have a really lovely soup guide for anyone who's never made soup in their entire life. It kind of yeah. tells them the flavors that work together and it kind of it's really lovely it's on their website we could put it on the show notes actually and I think it's a really good I give it to my clients quite a lot because I think it's it makes making a soup really easy but it doesn't have to be a soup it could be the base for a stew as well yeah so that's key for me uh, fresh herbs if you can get them if you can't dried herbs are equally great or any of you've got in the fridge now that are going over and you're not ready to use them put them in the freezer so you can use them as the weeks progress so that would be another tip for me as well that's great those are really really helpful rain what were you going to say i've also been talking to clients about meal chains because i think nobody really knows what's going to happen within their own household Um, and should the main cook be you know struck down with this virus then what's everybody else going to do um so i think batch cooking is something that people may wish to consider and you know this we normally associate this don't we talking to clients about they they you know they might wish to batch cook on a Sunday so that they have meals for throughout the week but now this this is rather important so I was thinking about meal chains and this is when you make a large amount of one specific dish but you can change it you can convert it into other meals down the line and if you think about it in its very in its most simple form, if you think about when you make a really good bolognese sauce from meat or from lentils, if you make a larger amount of that, you can then end up making lasagna with it, or adding kidney beans and some dried chili flakes for a chili, uh, or indeed um, you know topping it with some frozen mashed sweet and carrot for a cottage pie. And so I think it's just about thinking, all right. So if I make a lot of something, what, I, what else could I do with it? 
And I'm absolutely convinced that if people went online and typed in meal chains or, you know, a derivative of that, that Google will come up with some really interesting ideas. That's a really cool idea. I really like that. That's really helpful. And I think actually that it, there's, some, there's some wonderful resources online, actually. And I think that's the other thing we can do as practitioners is remember what to signpost our, our clients to. And, and I find I'm surprised by this often in clinic that I uh, people don't have the kind of um, resources in their head that we do as nutritional therapists because we live and move in, in this world of food. And so I kind of looked on my bookshelf to see what might be really interesting and helpful. And I picked up the Jamie Oliver Five Ingredients Cookbook, which I know you love, Rain. And I was thinking, well, that that, that could be a really good one for people right now because there aren't many ingredients necessarily going to be readily available. So that's that's going to be a really key one. And also some of the websites do um, search facilities by ingredient. So uh, I know River Cottage do and Riverford. So you can put in aubergine and then it will just give you uh, uh, some recipe ideas and it's about being brave enough and helping our clients realize they can be brave enough that they haven't got all the ingredients that quite the recipe says you can be adaptive and you can play with it a little bit yeah and the bbc good food website has that ability as well yes that's true yummily is another one it's an app that you can get on your phone it's absolutely brilliant you can use that it has a, a really good filter on it Oh, that's great. So I have this wonderful vision right now as we're speaking of a whole country that's just going to be back in the kitchen cooking. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you say that, Anita. I think what I was thinking about when you were talking about sharing food with your neighbours, it takes the borrowing a cup of sugar to sharing a pot of soup. It's a really sort of a nice way for us to extend and share the love with with our neighbours and being kind to them. Yeah, I think so. Even if we're not allowed to sit and eat it with them at any point, but at least we can kind of drop ingredients on doorsteps and then and then return with bowls of lovely warming soup or stew I think it's it could be a really nice opportunity to to bond and kind of come together there's some positives I'm hoping will come out of this so a question I have for the two of you you're receiving a raft of phone calls from your clients from friends from families asking you for tips and advice how are you as practitioners managing this in helping them with some some tips I know Rain you've talked about your support protect and energize but what are you all doing to help them because you all are under a lot of pressure as well with trying to maintain or keep track of everything that's going on what are you two doing yeah so I've emailed all of my existing clients that I'm working with and I'm I'm, I'm continuing to support them and then I've uh, also messaged all of my um, old client base to say that uh, and actually anyone that I'm offering distinct 30-minute online consultations specifically around immune support uh and so those that that's that's what I'm trying to do for everybody at the moment now you know not everybody's taking up on it and what's really interesting actually is that uh, I had a message earlier today that say that you know it's pretty hard to get vitamin c anywhere now uh supplements and kind of one of our supplement um stock people we, we get our supplements from they, they've had to close due to high demand and as we were saying last time, I think it's come back to the point where we really need to focus on reminding our clients how they can get the key uh, immune supporting nutrients, vitamin C, zinc, vitamin D, etc., through food. Uh, and also reminding them of the activities that deplete those nutrients. So reminding them that smoking will deplete our vitamin C. So perhaps that's the first step if we can't get supplements is to think about our lifestyle um, habits that are actually 
depleting those nutrients, managing our stress levels, which we've talked about endlessly, and making sure we're getting really good sleep. So I think we're going to have to move back to uh, where our comfort zone, which is around food, which is great. It's, it, it feels good, but it's it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I've really let my e-newsletters drop off, which was something I was doing every single month religiously, built up a great database. And then probably towards the um, the start of the summer, I just I let it drop. And so I'm going to be starting that up again. Um, because it was all GDPR compliant in the first place, there shouldn't be an issue with it. But offering people practical advice. So we were talking about tin foods earlier, weren't we, that people can be snobby about them. But, you know, frankly, I've got stuff like oh, tinned apricots at the back of my cupboard, which have been sitting there for years. <laughs> and I just thought, nobody in this household eats apricots. And I thought, well, that's fine, because I'll be going into the, going into the chickpea to gene tonight, then, won't they? Um, I thought what I would do is, you know, take all those things like, you know, the, the anchovies that you bought because they seemed like a really great idea at the time, but you've never actually used them. What can we do with the random things that people buy? So my newsletter is going to be starting back up with information like that. But also I have, to be fair, over the past four days, spent an awful lot of time trying to really get my head around COVID-19. Yeah. And also understand the disinformation being published online and preparing answers to it. So pointing out why it's not correct and ensuring that it's all fully referenced and actually listening really hard to some of the people out there who are experts in their field and, and trying to summarise that so that clients can, can understand it and it's and it's readily available and understood that's so important because at the moment there is so much uh, misinformation circulating and uh, you know I, I really feel for the general public because it's hard enough for us to navigate it and we this is our field and this is our our area of expertise but it's still really hard to to wade through all of the information that's coming out. So it's about checking our sources. And you're right, mm. being really clear that we've got factual answers for the people who are relying on us. And that's, that's really super important. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So my phone, my first phone call of yesterday was at 24 minutes past seven. from Somebody who had seen something on social media regarding ibuprofen and an increased mortality rate with COVID-19. And actually, they were they are asthmatic and on steroids, and uh, were as you can imagine doing slow rolls. So that just had to be picked apart, and that was pretty much a similar strain throughout the day of people contacting me by phone and email yeah. saying, "Why can't I take ibuprofen? What's this mean to me?" And so we have to be on our toes and and watch out for the next thing that's going to come through social media. And, and actually, it's really the other thing is it's changing so rapidly that I'm finding that. Yeah, you, you, you've got to kind of be prepared to kind of, because our understanding of the virus is changing so rapidly as well, that we've got to be prepared to accept that, you know, what we think today might change tomorrow as, as new information yeah. comes out. And it's about being really clear on, and that's okay for us to go back to people and say, you know, things have changed and, and, and what have mm. you. I just think it's very disappointing when I get messages coming through from people uh, saying, well, you know, my my brother-in-law's aunt's cousin once removed, who might or might not be a GP, <laughs> has said <laughs> that's disinformation, and it breeds fear. And actually, we don't need. There's enough anxiety yeah. around this, and people need to be really, really careful. Yeah. And I'm talking about NT, NTs here. 
you know, we have to be very, very careful what we put online or say or email. And before I hit send, every single time, I think to myself, if I was to be challenged, could I actually say the right things? Okay, yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, sometimes silence is golden. Yeah. Yeah. You want to have the right, solid, sound advice to share with the clients. And it's really hard to distill that right now with everything sort of flying around. So it is important. It's a really good point, Rain. Le- less yeah. is more, isn't it? That's that's the kind of key at the moment. Less is more. Less is more. And I think we need to be very mindful of the language that we use because the science is changing. And if we then have to change our view based on the science, we need to be able to explain why there's a change in our view. People who are incredibly either strident or are limited by the amount of characters, for example, on Twitter, you know, that can be a very black and white platform because there's not enough room for nuance. So we need to be really careful about the messages that we put out. I don't know if you heard him, but Dr. Chatterjee was on the BBC breakfast show talking about some basics as as we were addressing in our show last week, talking about some of the basics of getting some sleep, trying to de-stress, getting out and exercising, paying attention to the food that you're eating. So those can be really solid things that, that sound quite simple, but they are going to help us overall. And as practitioners, we can at least provide some essential information that can at least restore some calm because people think that they don't have any control and it goes back to that same thing again. I think that's why so many people are panicked is because conventional medicine doesn't have a response to it. They don't have a reaction. That's pretty that, that's pretty vital for me, that, that sense of control. I think that is absolutely right and key. That's what's driving this panic and fear at the moment is that people feel out of control. So if we can show them that they do have some control in terms of they can choose what they feed their family to a certain degree, depending on what ingredients they get, but they can make those choices. They can choose what time they go to bed. They can choose which... Um, social media feeds they listen to they can choose to stop scrolling they can they can choose to spend time outdoors and to breathe and to slow down really really key so giving them back control okay this is really really helpful have you got any other thoughts or tips have you got anything else you want to add someone sent me a really lovely um a story on it was based on the idea that um, this will all pass and that you know we have to remember that and hold on to that that this is just transient and yes it's going it's difficult but it's going to pass and we will come out the other side and it's really worth reminding everyone that isn't it but uh, yeah it was a nice little tale but I think it's too long. Rain have you got any have you got anything else to add? Well like you know nutritional therapy (laughs) it's just better to like for me to go back to basics and to keep it simple and just encourage people, you know, focus on the things they can change, like their diet and lifestyle, and forget about the things that are immovable. Yeah, really nice. That's totally it, isn't it? Mm, that's very good. Yeah. Well, ladies, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I know that you've done both of these on short notice, and they've really been helpful. I think they're they're brilliant tips. Yeah, thank you so much for having it's us. Absolute pleasure, Deb. 
Well, folks, that's all for today. I really appreciate your taking the time out to listen to those really valuable tips and thoughts that both Rain and Anita had to share with us today because we're here to support, collaborate, communicate, educate, and inspire one another. So we'll be sure and provide information in those show notes for you. I'd also like to ask you to participate and send us ideas and tips that you have found that are really beneficial for your clients as well. And don't forget, it's not just about the podcast. On Saturday, 19th September at Engineer's House in Bristol, Anita Beardsley and I are hosting an event on the multifaceted effect of gut health. It's from science to clinical practice, and we are very excited to have high-profile speakers on board, such as Dr. Alan Desmond from the Devon Gut Clinic, Dr. Elizabeth Phillips, and author Tanya Borowski. We are also pleased to say we have gold sponsors on board, such as Nutrigold and Genova Diagnostics. And we are thrilled to say the Alliance for Natural Health are key sponsors of our event as well. So please put that date in your diary. We'd love to have you join us. But most importantly, I'd like to wish you all very good health. Bye for now. Bye.